tell you what you're listening to welcome to father simon says on relevant radio with father richard simon i'm here to answer your questions have a question give us a call 1-888-914-9149 that's any question you may have about the lord the faith and the church that's 1-888-914-9149 this is in fact a radio show called father simon says on relevant radio Well, welcome back on this beautiful feast of uh, the Holy Souls, the Souls, uh, All Souls Day, in which we remember and pray for, as we should every day, those who have gone before us. So let's do that. Let's pray in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful and kindle in them the fire of your love. Send forth your spirit that shall be created, and you shall renew the face of the earth. Lord, you taught the hearts of the nations by the light of the Holy Spirit. Grant us by that same spirit to have right judgment in all things, and evermore to rejoice in his comfort through Christ our Lord. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Saint Michael, the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him. They, we humbly pray, and do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan, and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world seeking the ruin of souls. May the souls of the faithful departed rest in peace. Lord, we ask you to bless all of those we love who have gone before us. Amen. All right, let us... Well, go to the big book on the coffee table. Oh, good. Yeah, no, listen. That is the mourner's Kaddish. Kaddish is a Jewish word that means holy. It's sanctification. Uh, um, the the um, the word uh, that well applies to God. Kaddish is is holy. Kadosh. The text is this: glorified and sanctified be God's great name throughout the world, which He has created according to His will. May he establish his kingdom in your lifetime and during your days and within the life of the entire house of Israel, speedily and soon, and say, Amen. May his great name be blessed forever and to all eternity, blessed and praised, glorified and exalted, extolled and honored, adored and lauded in the name of the Holy One, blessed be he. Beyond all blessings and hymns, praises and consolations that are ever spoken in the world, and say, Amen. May there be abundant peace from heaven and life for us and for all Israel, and say, Amen. 
He who creates peace in his celestial heights, may he create peace for all of us for and for all Israel and say, Amen. That is called the Mourner's Kaddish. And it is said, especially, well, it's said throughout the Hebrew liturgy. Uh, but it's said in particular when praying for the dead. And I bring it up for a number of reasons. First of all, it's praying for the dead. That this was being done at the time of Christ. We have a reference that you may know about uh, in the book of Maccabees, um, in Second Maccabees, which we regard as scripture. And, uh, you know, the Second Maccabees, uh, the books of the Maccabees are historical books that talk about the revolt against the idolatry imposed by Antiochus Epiphanes, um, the Greek-speaking king of Syria. He was one of the heirs of one of the generals of Alexander the Great. And uh, he imposed uh, about 150 years before Christ, a little more than that, he tried to impose Greek religion on the Jews and actually to have himself worshipped, and they they resisted. Well, um, this book was included in the Septuagint, from which the early Christians translated the Old Testament, the Septuagint being the text of the Hebrew Scriptures written in Greek. Uh, it really, in a sense, is the first Jewish uh, biblical canon. Uh, it, it was not used in the Masoretic text, uh, but the Masoretic text came much later. It was regarded as scripture by the first Christians, uh, Catholic, Eastern, Orthodox, and the uh, um, the churches of the East still regarded as scripture. We believe it's inspired. Um, there are some that don't, but the early Christians and three quarters of Christians today believe it's inspired. So uh, this is what it says. In uh, the second book of Maccabees, the 12th chapter, the 46th verse, it is therefore a holy and wholesome thought to pray for the dead, that they may be loosed from sins. What do you mean loosed from sins? How can they be loosed from sins after death? Well, Jesus talks about that. Uh, Matthew 12, 32. Uh, it's the infamous verse of the sin against the spirit. And I always point out the word to forgive in Greek means to let go. This is a sin that God cannot let go of as long as you're holding on to it. The minute that you let go of it, God lets go of it. But uh, so it can't be let go in that sense. Anyone, this is Matthew twelve thirty two. anyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven. But anyone who speaks against the Holy Spirit will not be it will not be let go, either in this age or in the age to come. So there are sins which can be let go or forgiven in the age to come. And we Catholics, we believe that does not include unconfessed mortal sin or, or that sin against the spirit to which we cling, which, you know, the sin against the spirit is despair or presumption. They're flip sides to the same coin. I think I need to talk about this because it makes people so nervous. If you can say, I think I've committed against the sin against the Spirit, you haven't. Trust me. Despair is the idea that my sin is too big for God to forgive, so I will not ask him for forgiveness. Presumption is, I don't need God's forgiveness. He needs mine. If, if God could permit this and this and that other horrible thing, he must not be God. That's in a sense that was the sin against the devil, the sin the devil committed. We believe um, that's the theory. So I think it's important for you to realize that 
that uh, the person who commits the sin against the spirit is the person who will not ask God for forgiveness. And the minute that you let go of that attitude, God is able, he limits himself in this out of love for us and respect for our freedom. The minute that you let go of that attitude, God, and I, I dare to use the word can because he has limited himself in this. He can forgive your sin. He will not, uh, override your freedom, we believe. We believe absolutely in free will. And so God has limited himself by our free will. Um, No one limits God. God limits himself, uh, I believe, in certain circumstances. So that said, still, there are sins that can be let go in the age to come. And we read from the text of the book of Maccabees exactly that, 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 it is a holy and wholesome thought to pray for the dead that they may be loose from sins. And I, I share the mourner's cottage with you uh, for a number of reasons. Uh, the first being that this is something we share with the Jews. This goes back to our common roots in the religion of Israel. This idea that it is a noble and holy thing to pray for those who've gone before us. For the, 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 their release from, from the punishment of sin. That's what we're doing. We're asking God to 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 uh, to release them from those those chains. So that said, uh, you'll notice in that text of the mourner's kaddish that that it isn't it isn't uh, mentioned death death and uh, and and that sort of thing isn't mentioned. The closest that they come to it. May there be abundant uh, uh, peace from heaven and life for us and for Israel. Um, why don't they mention death? If this is what they sing at the graveside, and they sing in commemoration of of the dead when when they commemorate them, well, they sing it a lot of other times too. The point is, uh, it's almost like uh, uh, that text. Is it Micah that says? Uh, I have to look it up. Though there is no. Uh, ox in the stall, uh, still I will praise the Lord. Uh, that external the external circumstances don't limit our our love for God and our, our our gratitude for His goodness to us. Let me pull this up here. Okay, I got it. I think yes. Um, Habakkuk, not Hosea. Not Micah. Habakkuk. Um, Though the fig tree shall should not blossom, nor fruit beyond the vines. This is Habakkuk 3, verse 17 to 18. The produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield no food. The flock be cut off in the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. That's the point that the, 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 the point of, of, of Jews singing the mourners' Kaddish, that even their loss does not diminish the beauty and the glory of God. If that's true for them, how much more so for us Christians who've been grafted on to Israel? Because you see, we have a hope, a sure and, and, and solid reason to hope for the survival of death. Whereas those uh, who are Jewish, they hope for it, but it isn't part of the covenant. That, that you can be a perfectly good Jew without believing in life after death. Whereas we are assured by the resurrection of Christ and by the lives of the saints and by 2,000 years of miracles 
that, yeah, we survived death. And uh, um, for good or for ill. So this is a wonderful, wonderful thing that, that, that I don't know, maybe it's just me, but when you go to the funeral of a, of a, a person who is a non-believer, and the people there are non-believers, they're utterly lost. Uh, and they talk about what a great guy he was, and they just seem empty. Whereas you go to the funeral of a person who's lived a life filled with grace and beauty and the love of God, you'll hear people laughing and, and rejoicing because there's reason to rejoice that we'll miss the immediate presence of the person, but we believe they are not gone, they are not dead, they're alive in Christ. They pray for us because they are alive, and we pray for them that they might be perfected uh, as they stand before the judgment seat of God, which I believe that's what purgatory is. The third thing to talk about this mourner's Kaddish, there is a wonderful song, a Yiddish song, Du mein lieb, mein, mein schöner Kaddish, or Du mein son, mein lieber Kaddish, uh, you, my son, my, uh, my, my dear Kaddish, that, that, um, that, that, you, my son, my dear Kaddish, that this boy or this girl is going to, to pray the mourner's Kaddish for me. This is, this is a glorious thing that we're tied generation to generation by our hope of heaven. So this is, this is a great thing, this, this idea of the mourner's Kaddish. And it's, this is an idea that we, we share with the Jews. We inherit it from the religion of Israel with them. And, um, you know, for those people who say you shouldn't pray for the dead, you know, you know, that's it. That's idolatry. That's that's uh, necromancy. Nonsense. It's something that I'm sure Jesus, our Lord and Savior, Son of God, Son of Mary, prayed the mourners. I would imagine he prayed the mourners Kaddish for Saint Joseph. Can you think of 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 Jesus saying the mourners Kaddish at the grave of Joseph? I bet he did. So that lovely thought that, uh, you know, Jesus was a good a good son, even though he was the, the foster son of Joseph. I have no doubt that um, he fulfilled the rituals of the law in love for Joseph, who had raised him. All right, let's just very briefly go, if I can find it. I should look at the readings. There's a couple things I want to look at here, just really quickly, because we've only got a few minutes. I love that line in the first in the first uh, reading, the Book of Wisdom. And by the way, the Book of Wisdom, in case you don't know what the Book of Wisdom is, the Book of Wisdom is, um, it is written, you know, in the first century B.C., probably in Greek, and it was... was uh, uh, attributed to Solomon, the wisdom of Solomon. Eh, well, maybe he was as wise as Solomon. That's what they they meet, and it's regarded. It was regarded in um, uh, uh, the early church. Some people doubted it, but uh, Saint Augustine and Pope Innocent considered the wisdom of Solomon part of the Old Testament. And uh, many of the early church fathers, most of the early church fathers did. And the Council of Rome, the Council of of Carthage, listed it in uh, as, as canonical in scripture so that said uh you know now you know what the book of wisdom is it, it's interesting because it, the original was probably written in greek and when they decided to uh, uh 
when, when the Jews decided to canonize their scripture, uh, the, they, they, one of the requirements was that the original had to be in Hebrew. And there were a lot of books that, that were written in Hebrew uh, that had lost the Hebrew original and were just in Greek. But for us, the keystone is, was it in the Septuagint? Uh, all right. The uh, Okay, let's get back to this, though. But I, I love that line. In the time of their visitation, they shall shine. Now, what is the visitation? Again, this is a fascinating word. Uh, that that um, The word visitation in Greek is episkopi, which means uh, their supervision. It's related to the word for bishop. The visitation is when... Uh, you know, God comes to kind of check things out. It, it can refer to the judgment. So in the time of their judgment, they will shine like sparks and dart about as sparks. In, they will, will shine, not like sparks. What is it here? Uh, um, they, will, they will shine and dart about as sparks through stubble. That, that the author of the Book of Wisdom is trying to mention the incorporeal, incorporeality, the the, the the spirit the nature of, of 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 a spiritual being because even our bodies will be spiritual bodies saint paul tells us they'll be real bodies but they will be pneumaticoid the spiritual so um i think that's a truly lovely thing uh, let's see is there anything else i want to mention i think that should do it um a lot to think about but if you're not praying for those who've gone before you do so and uh, I don't even think it's a bad thing to say the mourner's Kaddish, though uh, rosary's a nice thing, too. All right, let's go to a break. We'll come back uh, and read some letters. And the phones are open at 888-914-9149. We receive hundreds of your phone calls every day thanks to the Catholic Order of Foresters studio line. Our sponsor offers flexible life insurance and annuities. Visit relevantradio.com slash forester today. An Illinois life insurance society not available in all states. It won't be very long. It isn't very long for anybody. That said, the phones are open at 888-914-9149. I think we've got a lot of phones open. Do we have a lot of phones open, dear voice in my head? We got all of them open. 888-914-9149. Let me give you that one more time. 888-914-9149. But let's go to letters at the moment. Okay. This is from Donald. In Genesis 1.27, where it says, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created a male and female. He created him. Is that simply a list of two things about how are we are created? Or does it imply that being male and female is part and parcel of the image of God in us? I know it sounds funny at first glance because God in his divinity is not male and female. That's absolutely true. God is not male or female. Jesus is definitely a male, and we address God as Father, but God is not male or female. I think St. Thomas Aquinas says that. 
Though, that is a triune God complete in three persons, humanity is only completed by the union of more than one person in the complementarity of the sexes. So the question seems at least a little plausible. This is not an idle curiosity, because if la différence that the French so want to vive is part of the divine, you know, vive la, vive la différence is part of the divine image in us, the androgynies of our times that deny it would also deny some of the divine image in us. Does anything in the original language, maybe the writings of the church fathers, provide insight? Well, I, not that I know of. I mean, I'm sure there's insight, but I think you have a point that 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 the the God is reflected in the complementarity of the relationship of the genders in in our life. However, what what radical feminists are complaining about is how can they identify with a God who is male? <sighs> First of all, I don't identify with God. If anything, I'd like to identify with the Blessed Mother. Remember those bracelets? What would Jesus do? I don't want to know what Jesus would do. He was the only begotten son of God, <laughs> the only perfect human being on his own merits ever born. You know, I will never be the the only begotten son of God. I will be a son of God, God willing, by adoption. Our blessed mother, the fathers of the church, called the proudest boast of our race. Well, I don't want to have to identify with a woman. Yes, I do. You know, this idea that because someone is one gender or another gender, I can't identify with them. I don't identify with God. I try to identify with the saints and the queen of the saints, our blessed mother. So, but where is the idea of the feminine in God? In the church. Our blessed mother is the incarnation of the church. And the and the great mystical authors say that 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 every soul, and I think St. Bernard of Clairvaux was the one who first said this. Maybe he got it from somewhere else. But every soul at prayer, in a certain sense, is a woman. That, that the church is a bride, a mother, a wife. And I believe it's not stretching it too far to say that she is, in a certain sense, incarnated in the Blessed Mother. Uh, that that um, uh, humanity, in that sense, is a woman. And the church is a woman. And so the mystery of, of you know, no, hang on to your hats. I hope this isn't heresy. But there are four people in the Blessed Trinity, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and the Bride. She is not divine, but she is divinized. That it, 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 In the fullness of time, the, the Blessed Mother, or rather not the Blessed Mother, but the Church herself, which will include, God willing, you and me, if we die in a state of grace, will be enthroned, will be part of that relationship, which is God. Uh, there's so much more waiting for us than just heaven when you die. There is becoming part of that relationship, which is God. St. John Paul the Great said that, that God is the perfect family, that your family is like a family. Um, God is the perfect family, perfectly one, yet perfectly three, and we're invited to join that family. So the, the, the complaint of people who say, I can't identify with a male God, get over it. I mean, this is not, not about identifying. It's about being brought into, being adopted. And if you are a man, if you are a woman, you will be adopted into the body of, by, in, into God by being part of the body of Christ, the church. So... 
that's how I look at that text. No one comes to the Father except through me. It doesn't say no one goes to heaven without me. It says no one comes to the Father without me. No one is rightly related to God without Jesus of Nazareth, Son of God, Son of Mary. So yeah, I think I think Don, that's a good a good point that that um, that that male and female he made them uh, that it's it's about the desire we have to be family uh, and that family that's the reason for the physical ability to reproduce and for marital intimacy the ability to to enter into family so good letter thanks so much don i hope i didn't just add smoke but maybe a little fire okay this is uh this is from uh uh jim the physicist of wisconsin in matthew 25 jesus describes each of the groups as surprised to hear if you did or didn't do it to the least of these you didn't do it to me or didn't did it to me yet almost christian almost all christians have heard this passage is this god's touchstone for those who've never heard or something for more careless and forgetful among us or of course both what you did for the least of these i think what jim is saying is that that um uh that we're so worried about about the checking off all the boxes to get to heaven that we don't quite worry about doing what the Lord has asked us to. And we can go up to him and say, I've got all the boxes checked, Lord. He said, this is not an immigration. This is an adoption. So thanks, James, Jim. Okay, let's see here. Hmm. This is, uh, let's see. Oh, uh, this is, I think I may have talked about this, but I'll talk about it again. Why not? This is uh, from, uh, is it, oh, doesn't say what it's from. Oh, Marie. Yes. Uh, please explain this passage. As he said, attempt to enter the gate, but, ah, that's it, but I didn't answer that, but will not be strong enough. He answered them, strive to enter through the narrow gate, for I tell you, many will attempt to enter, but will not be strong enough. Uh, and And I think that, that word um, in Greek, it's iskidos. Um, that that I think it implies ability. Um, let me find it here, and I'll, I'll look. But I think it, uh, it implies ability. I mentioned that the narrow gate. I look at that and I see Christ. He said, "I am the gate uh, to the sheepfold," and the idea of entering the sheepfold through any other way. And, you know, well, that's rather narrow-minded. No, it's just narrow. The narrow gate is Jesus. That's what he said. Um, and this idea of they will not be strong enough, uh, they will not be, um, it can mean to be able. I, I, I'm, I'm in full health and vigor. I'm, I'm strong enough to do this. Uh, the strength, I think, is to, to leave all the other things, all the other tricks behind that my money won't save me, my health won't save me, my going to the gym every day won't save me. Only The only way I will enter is through Christ and his cross. And to be strong, you know, it is fun to drive <laughs> sometimes. I have been in not many accidents, which is a true sign of God's providence, the way I drive. I, I, I must admit but there's one thing that that I, I do thus far, uh, and I've noticed this. I get very nervous if I take 
take my eyes off the road. It's great fun to have someone else drive and I can look at the houses and look at the farms and look at the cows with their knowing and intelligent looks. I'm being facetious. But I love to be driven around because I can look at the scenery because when I'm driving, I'm fixed on that road ahead. It takes a certain strength of will not to look to the Oh, look, something shiny. I mean, I'm prone to looking at it, as you know, seeing something shiny, but oddly enough, not when I drive. Oh, I know. So are you... Are you Strong enough to keep your eyes fixed on the road, or do you have the weakness of looking? Oh, that's interesting, because ultimately, <laughs> if you do, you go in that direction. You go in the direction of what you look at, and uh, so keep your eyes on the road, your hand on the plow, uh, and I think that that's what this is meaning. Are you strong enough to turn your back on everything else uh, that is uh, an interesting distraction? Okay. So I hope that helps. Let's see. How are we doing? Okay. I think we're good. We're good. Oh, well, okay. Let's take a break. We got we got some phone calls coming in, and we'll take a break, and we'll have a very quick word of the day. trouble of this world well live in a state of grace there's can be trouble in the next world i'm just nah this is this is a great joy we have as as um as catholics you know i remember talking to a great theological mind who was a a strict one saved always saved um fellow and um he was a great mind a wonderful man uh and he said, uh, you know, that, that it is possible to have a false assurance of salvation. So I said, you can't be absolutely assured of salvation. Oh, yes, you can be absolutely assured of your salvation. But it could be a false uh, assurance. He said, yes. I said, then it couldn't be a, a, a complete assurance of salvation. He said, oh, no, you can, have, you can have a complete assurance of salvation. I said, but it could be a false, a false assurance. He said, yes. And I said, ah, I understand. I thought, thank God I'm a Catholic. I can go to a confessional and hear the words, I absolve you, <laughs> and have moral certainty of my salvation. Uh, the ego te absolvo. Uh, um, it, it's, it's, uh, that's a real blessing. Oh, I'm totally digressing. Let's go to the word of the day. Well, the word of the day is restful waters. That does sound nice. It sounds like a, a, a Minnesota. Yes, yesterday, of course, my Minnesota themed word of the day. I w did we get any feedback about that voice in my head? I don't think so. None that I uh, heard about. I, None from I the Minnesotans, was, at least. Uh, yeah, well, you know, Minnesotans like to keep their cards close to the vest. But uh, I, I mentioned that the word Ariston, when it says, when you have a lunch or a dinner, don't invite those who can repay you. And the word for lunch, Ariston, means a meal 
that is not pegged to a time of the day. It's exactly what Minnesotans mean by a little lunch. That may happen at 2 in the morning, but... Uh, are you going to do was, hot dish as a word of the day sometime? Uh, no, no. I don't, the voice in my head asked me if we're going to do hot dish as a word of the day, but I don't think so. Or bars. <laughs> bars, not the places you go to to drink, the, but um, sheet cookies are called bars. In See, I've learned to speak a little Minnesotan. Well, let's get back to the word of the day. Restful waters. Just a little, a little factoid that I've been told. And if anybody knows better, <laughs> let me know. But sheep don't like to drink from troubled waters. Like you take a, a, a sheep to a, a babbling brook that's running fast, they're not going to drink from it nearly as readily as quiet, still waters. You know that, that um, we live in a time in which, well, the brook is kind of babbling. <laughs> you know, and by that I mean we in the theological world. The brook is babbling a little bit, um, and the sheep are having a hard time drinking. You know, the, 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 the uh, what's the saying? Don't talk to me of your doubts. I have doubts enough of my own. Talk to me about what you truly know. You know, that, that um, uh, there needs to be a certain stability for the sheep to drink from water. And I think that that is a, a good caution for uh, people who uh, uh, preach and teach the faith. All right, that said, let us go to phone calls. <laughs> There is something the matter with your fin. No, we've we've. I, it's fine. <laughs> Who do we have on the line, dear voice in my head? Gilbert, Gilbert, are you with us? What can I do for you, Gilbert? Hey, I'm Father. I thank you for taking my call. First of all, um, I wanted to ask you: Why are the can a person who has not received all the sacraments of the initiation be a lector um, during mass? And, and if this, if the answer is no, can those requirements be overturned by the priest? You know, um, it, it, you know, I, again, I don't, I don't really, I can't speak to it very authoritatively, but I do believe that, that, um, it is expected that, uh, you know, there's a saying in Latin, no one gives, or, well, it's in Latin, but I'll say it in English, no one gives what he hasn't got. And so the idea of uh, uh, sharing the gospel, if you don't have uh, the, uh, you can hear me clicking away to see if I can find that, if they don't have the sacraments, uh, then really they maybe shouldn't be in the uh, um Oh, I've got, I've got it! I've got it! I've got it! <laughs> that they really shouldn't be doing that. You know, do you have to be confirmed? Lectors are supposed to be fully initiated, practicing Catholics, whose lives witness to the word which they proclaim on special occasions and for pastoral reasons. A young person who is not yet fully initiated may be permitted to read during a liturgy. Uh, that's that's guidelines for lectors. Uh, let's see. Uh, who's the, who, who, who said that? Oh, I'm looking at uh, who they are. Um, that is from the, um, oh, I think that's, uh, the Roman Catholic Diocese of Orange. It's not from the germ, but I think they take it from the germ. Uh, so no, you're supposed to be fully initiated to be a lector. And for pastoral reasons, young people can, that can, can, like a grade school reader who hasn't yet been confirmed. And I would say that probably very exceptionally, uh, for a pastoral, a pastoral reason that someone 
who is not would have to be a good pastoral reason and not just a matter of convenience because the priest can do it you know the old days the priest read the epistle and the gradual and the gospel um so the answer is no except rare exception you have to be fully initiated in uh, uh in the sacraments of the church does that answer your question yes father thank you all right god bless gilbert all right boy that's going to upset people. Who do we have now, dear voice in my head? Pat from Hasbrook Heights, New Jersey. Pat, what can I do for you? Father, it has to do with today's gospel, where Jesus yes. says, everything that the Father gives me will come to me. So, I mean, it, feel free to just say this is inconsequential, but it says everything, and then later on it says, I won't reject anyone. You know, yes. so does everything... Come to Jesus. Uh, well, let's look at let's look at that. What let, let, let's I, now you've got me thinking, and that's never a good thing. Let's see here. I, I get headaches. Let's see. <laughs> this is John six thirty seven. We're going to look it up. Correct. John. Okay. What is it? John is it six thirty seven? Six thirty seven. There's the elevator music. I've almost got it. It's like a race with the elevator music. All right. Everyone the Father gives me will come to me. Uh, let's see what it says in good old Greek. Pan Hodidison. Hmm, this is interesting. Oh, it means every, hmm, each and every. It's, oh, uh, yeah, it's uh, that's everything in Greek. That's neuter. So that would be everything uh, which the Father uh, gives me. Um, will 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 come, and the one who, and whatever it's it's interesting because it could be neuter. It, it's uh, it's oh dear, it's uh, it's the definite article, but uh, it it I believe, you know, I'm I'm rummaging in the back of my brain. Uh, all those little charts I memorized in, in both in teaching and in, in, um, let me see, what does it say? It says, oh, it implies the one who comes. It, it's hard to say, uh, the one coming to me, uh, it, it would imply, oh, yeah, it's masculine. Oh, it's definitely masculine. It's got a, I'm looking at the Greek finally. Yeah, it's definitely masculine. The one who comes to me, uh, I will not cast out. Ah, I've got mm-hmm. something. Remember my motto, what I don't know I can always make up. The entire creation <laughs> has been, that's my motto, uh, the entire creation has been given to the Lord. He's the Lord of all things, and we believe that there will be a new creation. And of course, you know my my theory. Fido does not have an immortal soul, but God doesn't forget Fido. And you know, will the new creation have only trees and and flowers? You know, um, it will have mosquitoes, but they won't bite. I'm quite I'm assured of this. So, uh, so every everything uh, uh, the Father's given everything to me. Those things don't have the choice to come to Him. Human beings do. The one who comes uh. to me, I will not cast out. So all creation belongs to God, belongs to Christ, but not every, but not all people do. If you say no to him, mm. he lets you do that. That's, hey, how's that for thinking on your feet? <laughs> yeah, I, that. 
I'm duly impressed, and I thank you for working so hard to answer no, that. No, you know where I say to the prayer to the Holy Spirit at the beginning of this show. I'm, I'm skating on thin ice here, so there you go. Yeah, that makes great sense that everything will come to him, but not everyone. Mm. Oh, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. I would never have mm-hmm. noticed that. See how we say relevant radio listeners are, they're sharp. They notice these things. Well, thanks for calling in and thanks Same for Holy listening. Spirit. Amen. Okay, All right. God you, bless. Father. All right. Bye-bye. Oh, boy. Bye-bye. Whom do we have now, dear voice in my head? Gwen from uh, from Egan, Minnesota. Now, does the phrase a little lunch mean anything to you, Gwen? <laughs> Uh, yeah, it actually means let's go have lunch. <laughs> yeah, but now in Minnesota, I'm told you have breakfast, dinner, and supper. Maybe that's um, just in the rural sections. Yeah, in the rural sections. In the cities, it's breakfast, lunch, and and dinner. Yeah, okay. Well, you got a big meal in the middle of the day because you got to go out and... <laughs> You know, harvest wheat in the Great Plains there. But yeah, a little lunch, don't you know? Heck of a right. deal. So at any rate, what can I do for you? Well, Father, I know that um, today if you go to a cemetery, you get mm-hmm. an indulgence. And yes. I'm wondering, I'm going to my son's grave today. He died oh. um, almost three years ago. And oh. so I'm just wondering, what do I need to do to get the indulgence? And can I can I offer it up for him, or do I just have it get get it for myself um no you can offer it up for him uh um uh, let me look see if i can find this easily i i'm sure it's you can offer it for him and uh the 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 requirements as, as i read them here are uh you know you have to fulfill the usual conditions you go to confession receive holy communion and say a prayer for the the intention of the holy father um uh, while being detached from sin. So uh, the usual conditions do apply, but you can, uh, the, the indulgence, um, you know, I don't, I think you can apply it to yourself or you can of course apply it to, to your son, mm-hmm. which is, I suspect what you want to do. And, uh, yeah, it's, um, it's the usual conditions though. Confession, communion, and prayer for the intention of the Holy Father, and I was taught it's it's uh, two weeks on either side, you know. So, uh, yeah, the the um, you know, if it's not asking too much, what is your son's first name? May I ask? Dominic. Dominic. I will I will remember him at mass. I, that's got to be. Okay. I can think. I uh, perhaps the hardest calling in human life is to be conformed to the Blessed Mother, as I said, as you have been by the loss of your son. So I will offer. And I will offer prayer for Dominic. His, his, his widow and I are sure that Our Lady of Guadalupe um, came to see him um, right at the end because it was really? during that week that he died. Uh-huh. Oh, well, yeah, we're, we're convinced. Well, there you go. And uh, but boy, being conformed to, to to the Blessed Mother is a tough gig. Uh, everybody thinks, oh, Immaculate Conception, that would have been swell. I always think of it as a great responsibility. So mm-hmm. well, I will be praying for you and for his widow and, and, and for Dominic. All right, God bless you. Thank you, Father. Thanks for calling in. All right, whom do we have now? Dear voice in my head. Mary from Austin, Texas. Mary, what can I do for you? I'm asking a question. So who can who can it 
go to confession, to reconciliation. Somebody that, I mean, I'm asking because if they've had their sacraments, their baptism, confirmation, and reconciliation, can they still go to confession or reconciliation? Because you broke you broke up anyone on planet earth can go to the sacred to, can go to confession the question is can they right. be absolved someone who's not baptized and who's not um initiated into the catholic church uh they can't receive absolution from a priest uh, um we we know that the lord sort of makes exceptions and stuff like that a person even though they are not catholic uh, on their deathbed, if they believe in, in, in the Eucharist and, and the sacraments, they can receive those sacraments and the anointing of the sick on their deathbed. But um, anybody can go to confession. The question is, who can receive absolution? You have to be a baptized uh, believing Catholic to receive absolution from a Catholic priest. About Oh, my, oh so I, I missed that. You, you broke up in the middle. A person who's in a civil marriage, uh, if they go to confession, they must intend to live as brother and sister until their marriage is validated in the church. Okay, so they uh, so can't they, be refused. Uh, well, they can go to confession. They just can't have absolution. They can okay, be refused. Okay. They can be refused absolution. Sure. If they, you see, we Catholics are held to a, a covenantal form of marriage that involves a man, a woman, God, and the whole church. And uh, it, it's a covenant uh, until death do us part. Civil marriage is a contract. It's until divorce does us part. And the mass and communion uh, also go by the name uh, the Lamb's Supper. It's, it's the wedding feast of, of Christ in the church. And to participate in that wedding feast while denying the reality of marriage would be dishonest. So someone who is... Uh, uh, married civilly and has no intention to get things right, they can't receive absolution. They can go to confession, but they can't receive absolution. So I, I hope that helps. I, I wish I had easier news, not better, but easier. Uh, marriage is... Oh, no, is... no, that that makes sense. I think to explain it to others, it makes sense. Oh, all right, good. Yeah, yeah, Thank I mean, so it's just this this idea that, that well, uh, I don't really believe in, in Catholic marriage, but I want to go to the... To the I want to go to Christ's marriage supper with his bride, the church. Uh -huh. Why would you? So, well, thanks for calling in. I hope that was pretty clear. God bless. Yes, thanks for listening. Thank who who now, dear voice in my head? Who now? Joseph from Wisconsin. Joseph, what can I do for you? When comes up uh, after a funeral or something, uh, Somebody will always ask, well, what about the poor people that can't have masses offered for them? And I always try to explain that the faithfully departed are mentioned at each and every mass. Yeah, they are. Could you explain yeah. that? Uh... Well, it's just in the canon. Let me let me pull up a canon, not not the kind you shoot with, but the other one. Uh, let's let's uh, let's pull up. Uh, second canon. Oh, there's elevator music. Second canon. Catholic. You know, I can say it, but I can't remember it if I'm not saying, saying, uh, mass. Okay. Let's see here. All right. The second canon. All right. Oh, that's due to a second, 
Oh dear, second mass cannon. Now we'll try. All right. Uh, cannon to the mass. Okay. Oh dear. All I can say, well, here's Eucharistic Prayer 1. All right. Um, we pray for the, after the consecration, uh, we say, Remember also, Lord, your servants who have gone before us with a sign of faith and rest in the sleep of peace. Grant them, O Lord, we pray, and all who sleep in Christ a place of refreshment, light, and peace. And all of the canons repeat something like that, uh, that, that we, in every Mass, the, the souls in purgatory are prayed for. So, um, I, what else? I don't know what to say. So, does that help? Well, some people, they have a, I, this ridiculous idea that having a mass offered is like buying a commodity, like a ton oh, of gosh, yeah. coal oh, yeah. or something, and that all goes to John Smith and everybody else is left out. And I say, no, mass is offered each day. For everyone, world, yes, yes. For everyone, yes. living and deceased. Now, You're absolutely correct. Departed, or would that include like uh, a guy that's tried to be a good Protestant or a good Jew all his life? Or it says all the faithful. <laughs> that sounds pretty inclusive to me. Um, that you know, people talk about this like, well, Jews they're not baptized, and I mentioned that Jesus says that you'll see Abram, Isaac, and in the kingdom, and yourselves denied. Um, they were they were not baptized, so God can do this in His own way. Uh, the, as I always say, that the uh, we're bound by the sacraments; God is not. Uh, so I, I think that's true. And you're absolutely right about the idea of buying commodity. Father, I want to buy a mass. And I would say, you couldn't afford a mass. It costs the blood of the Son of God on the cross. If you want to, me to say a mass for someone, I certainly will. If you want to make a contribution to the church, that's fine too. You know, people, you're right. They don't understand. It's like a commodity. I bought this just, and people, you don't, you, you get the wrong name or you forget to mention the deceased. We make an intention when we're ordained to pray to give the primary uh, benefit of the Mass to the person who has contributed. But people, they just get really upset. And I feel like, I want my money back. You didn't give me a break. So you're right. And Mass is not a commodity that, that, that one can buy. There's that wonderful old song, if religion were a thing that money could buy, the rich would live and the poor would die. So, well, all right. I think that we got to end because uh, Drew's coming up. But this is a wonderful feast day in the life of the church in which we remember that the, uh, the 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 veil is very thin between the world to come and the world that we live in and you can go to the website speaking of thin veils uh and you can see the novena we're beginning and the commemorate uh, the, the prayers that we're saying for the dead do join us in that novena for the holy souls uh that's at the website very easy to find all right, speaking of easy to find, Drew is coming up, and he's easy to find because he's very tall. 